Hi, I'm Jay Frosting, and you're listening to Miss Gender, a continuously updated documentary about my close friend Ashley's perspectives on being transgender and her ups and downs as she transitions. I'm mostly here to ask the right questions and learn things as Ashley reboots her life. We welcome your questions and comments on each episode at misgender.com, on Twitter at misgender, or you can email misgenderpodcast at gmail.com. You're listening to the audio version of this episode, but we also have a video version that you can watch or subscribe to by visiting iTunes or misgender.com and finding this episode, The T Word, which was published February 29th, 2012. Hi, Ashley. Good evening. Hello, Jay. Good to see you. Hi. It's good seeing you. You and I were working on editing the Winter Family Time show, which. Yeah. And you mentioned how the phrase man in a dress, which your mom used, was right. within the top three most hurtful things you can hear. Specifically for a transgender woman. Yeah. Which was right. interesting to me because I don't think I've ever, I mean, obviously I know what the phrase describes. I've heard Eddie Izzard talk about some idiots calling him out on the street saying, ah, bloke in a dress, bloke in a dress. But I'd never really heard right. man in a dress before, unless you're talking about like Milton Burl, who would dress up as a woman for laughs on occasion. But uh, so that led to uh, you mentioning the word tranny. Right. Which I admitted to having always thought was just a short form of transvestite. Yes. So what does it mean from where you're sitting? The T word is a derogatory word used to refer to transgender people. So it doesn't predate the word transgender? It probably has some relation to perhaps transgender or transsexual, but that's kind of part mm. of the problem is that people who use that word in hate seem to generally conflate people who cross-dress versus people who are transgender and so on, that to them, they all fall under that umbrella of that hate word. How do you know that it's a hate word? Because I've never heard it spoken that way, and I think I see it most often in terms of, you know, describing porn. Well, my, my point being, they'll put it in the title and in the, in the meta tags or whatnot because they want people to be able to find it. And I don't think that they're expecting hateful people to be looking for it because you don't want to get off to something that you don't like. People who are into transgender porn may not hate those people, but persons who, who, are, who are sex workers in those situations are not being put up on a pedestal. They're not being looked up to. Sure. It's, it's, it's I mean, I'm kind of guessing here, but it seems to be that Oftentimes, it's something of, like, uh, look what we have here, or isn't this weird? Do you think it's positioned to be weird in the same way that giantess fantasies are weird, or people sexualizing balloons, or... <laughs> the weirdest one I've come across is uh, women who are driving, and their cars get stuck in the mud, and they have to pump the pedals a whole lot to try to get out of the mud. And, of course, they're wearing skirts and stockings. Right, right. To emphasize their distress. The fact that there's transgender-related porn, that in and of itself, I don't think I have a problem with. I mean, as long as it's consensual as far as the, yeah, the yeah. actors and so on. 
part of the problem with the T word is that. I mean, go ahead. In fact, you can try this now, Jay. If you do a Google image search for the T word, okay, you will not find multitudes of ordinary transgender people. What do you mean by ordinary? People you'd see on the street. You may need to turn off safe search or whatever. Oh, it's it's never on. Okay. Uh, yeah, most of these are pornographic. Right. So, but the point being, you think it's an, at the very least, exploitative word, if not one that's always meant as an insult. As a transgender person myself, I try to keep up on the news as far as the transgender community. And unfortunately, all, some of that is uh, abuse, in, sometimes in terms of assaults or the like. Mm -hmm. And sort of the rule of thumb I go by is that if there were to be a hate crime perpetrated against someone and if the person's going about that, if they're yelling, oh, you fucking blank, Mm -hmm. The word in that blank is probably a slur. Sure. That makes sense. And I'll readily admit I've always known it was a slang word, but I didn't realize people thought of it as an insult. And the fact that you're saying the T word means that it's as bad as the N word. In my mind. Which is surprising to me. So when did you find out that the T word was as bad as you feel like it is? Somehow I had inferred that from pop culture. I mean, for example, it didn't take me long to figure out that it had connotations with being transgender, but oftentimes if someone were to be dressing poorly, someone might say, oh, you look like blank. And I thought, hey, that's, that's kind of painting with a broad brush now, isn't it? What is blank? The T word. Okay. You could have meant crap there or something. Right. Sure. Right. Hmm. Interesting. I Maybe I just never came across that. It could be. Maybe I just know nice, nice people. It, and that may be the yeah. case, but um, please, if you come across people using that, mm. it may be... Uh, without the awareness of some of the connotations and so on, but please do tell them not to do so. Yeah. So it's much worse than calling an Asian person Oriental, which I'm already in the habit of correcting people when they say that. I think so. I mean, not being an Asian person myself, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to draw parallels between mm. slurs, but you might, I mean, I think one that is, um, is an easy parallel to draw is that it would be like calling an LGB person the F word. Uh-huh. Not fuck. The other one. Right. Do, do you need me to say it? F-A-G? Yeah, fair enough. Right. So it, it is it is very much an analogous to that. So, yeah, when I was talking about, talking about this with you, apparently the word transvestite itself is also frowned upon. So this is um, 
one of the, the better references I've come across about for this is from GLAD. And they have a page in which they talk about various sort of glossary type uh, terms. And they also go over mm. terms that are problematic and terms that are slurs and so on. Mm -hmm. And so they have descriptions of various words. They go over various words like what it means to transition, what transgender means, uh, what SRS means. And they mm -hmm. do describe that um, transvestite is um, derogatory and that um, cross-dressing is preferred. Well, cross-dressing is an activity, though. You could say someone who cross-dresses. But could I say a cross-dresser? You'd probably have to ask someone in that situation, sure. but generally speaking, I I shy away from describing someone as a noun unless because that that describes someone uh, using that as as their sole identity. Okay. Hmm. So in the same way, I mean, if you were talking about an Afri African American person you would not talk about that person as a black. And so in, I'm, I would guess that you could say someone who cross-dresses would at least be more inclusive than a, quote, cross-dresser. Okay. So as not to define someone by that sole attribute. Versus a drag queen who, that's an occupation. Sure, yeah. Okay. By the same token, of course, you'd also not say that someone is a transgender. You could say someone right. is a transgender person. Okay. Sure, sure, yeah. And so I think um, the page from GLAD doesn't go into a lot of specifics as far as, or the etymology of why, quote, transvestite is a term to be avoided. Um, I don't I don't dispute I that. Ask, I was gonna ask you about that. Is it just a history of negative connotation, you think? It could be a history of that, but it could also be that the people who had been using it may, um, may conflate it between people who cross-dress and people who are transgender and so on. Oh, uh, okay. Maybe your parents are in that boat. My parents are in the boat of, of conflating those terms, but they yeah. don't... Well, they have the, their heads so far up the sand that they don't really mm. use words at all to describe oh, such things. Fair enough. Other than that one time where my mom was saying that about how the cross-dressing thing. Mm. I think it was maybe two episodes ago where she was saying, oh, and we talked over the phone and you told me that you weren't cross-dressing, but you are. That right. part, yeah. 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 I actually had to get up and walk around while I was editing that show because it made me so mad. The more I edit and the more I watch our show, the more annoyed at your parents I get. Well, uh, that makes two of us, Jay. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. You may notice that in the past many shows, I have made an effort to use, for example, the term uh, someone who cross-dresses and so on. Hmm. There may have been okay. one show where I had used the term transvestite. I'm not even, not certain, but if I did, I apologize for that. Well, we talked about, there was at least one point where I was asking the difference between transvestite, transsexual, and transgender, and you explained that transgender was an umbrella term. and You probably mentioned how at least one of the others was sure. frowned upon. Yeah, yeah. 
the first word on this glad page of, of glossaries is uh, sex, which to shorten up says, you know, the organs one is given at birth. Right. Which is, that makes sense. Um, but then I'm confused about why sex change is not as preferred as sexual, sexual reassignment surgery. It seems like such an innocent phrase, sex change. I it, I mean, I, I'm not an expert on this part. I mean, mm. my guess is that it may be the flippancy of it. That it's not, you're not changing your oil. Mm. I mean, this is major surgery with anesthesia, with weeks, if, if not longer, recovery times. All of which, under almost every healthcare plan, is summarily excluded from coverage. Mm. Okay. It's a very significant surgery, and as well, it's not something that people take lightly, nor due to policy are they allowed to on account of prerequisites such as the so-called real-life test. Mm -hmm. And I never took it lightly. No, no. I didn't get the impression that people who used that phrase were taking it lightly. Certainly, I've heard it uttered with a sense of curiosity, maybe. Right. Maybe on occasion a sense of amusement because it involves genitals. Right. But uh, given the definition of the first word you read, does it make sense why it's called sexual reassignment surgery and not gender reassignment surgery? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, this, this page was pretty helpful to read and I'll certainly be putting it in the show notes for this episode. Yeah. And in fact... Uh, another channel I've recently come across, which may or may not be on this page, um, of course, I, I have no qualms with sexual reassignment surgery as a term. Mm. I've also recently heard some people describe it as gender affirmation surgery, which I... Oh, that's nice. I, did, I like that, yes. Because yeah. that helps connote that it's really affirming what's been there all along. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of putting things in line. And that may be part of the whole uh, issue with, quote, sex change. That Mm. really, when undergoing sexual reassignment surgery or or gender affirmation surgery, it's it's a restorative procedure. It's not, to, to the person who is having the procedure, they're not really switching over. They're, they're fixing things. It's not, yeah. Does that, Sort of makes sense. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Talk to me about presenting. As I think um, while putting together a show description, at least at one point, I originally in the draft had presenting as a woman full-time or maybe presenting as female full-time, and you had suggested maybe just presenting full-time, but obviously you'd have to have some context around that phrase in order for it to make sense. But I wonder which of those you prefer when you and I were working through the drafts of one of the descriptions for the shows, your original wording for one of the passages was, she and Jay discussed searching for a new job after transitioning to full-time womanhood. Okay. And what I suggested and what I think we ended up going with was, she and Jay discussed searching for a new job now that Ashley is presenting full-time. Mm-hmm. So I guess um, the bit that I 
what was thinking about there was just around the full-time womanhood that Mm -hmm. from my perspective i've always been a woman it just is how i'm externally presenting as as such so it's it's really in some ways changing the way in which people maybe uh perhaps perceive things but nonetheless it doesn't change who i am in that respect not to split hairs but when you say always do you mean the point at which you came out to yourself onward or do you view the time you spent before coming out to yourself as like a horrible mistake do you remember when we were talking a bit about you'd ask me during one of the episodes well what if i'm talking about you from years ago yes. which pronouns would you like me to use right and i think one of the analogies i may have used at the time was that supposing if someone had been born with a heart defect and only many years later had discovered that mm-hmm. um that certainly at that point they would have known about it but that wouldn't have discounted that they had always had this heart defect right and so in my case i guess you could say that i've I do see myself as always having this gender, but I had only figured it out at, a, at some later point in my life. Does that answer do you, your question? Do you feel regretful about the years you spent presenting as a man? Uh, I feel regretful that I didn't start earlier okay. in terms of my HRT, for example. Mm-hmm. Because if I could have started testosterone blockers before I underwent testosterone poisoning from puberty, I I would have really have a leg up on things. For one thing, I wouldn't be stuck with a stupid voice. But you hadn't come out to yourself yet. No. I mean, this, this is sort of like, I don't know, if someone was uh, an accountant for 10 years and then thought, hey, I should become a chef or something. And then mm. it turns out they really enjoy it. And they thought, I should have been doing this all along. And that's sort of okay. my case that I kind of figured it out. But, and I wish yeah. I had done something about it earlier. But at the same time, there's nothing I could have done about the past, I guess. Does that... And certainly the person who was doing accounting for 10 years wouldn't, you know, feel bad about the friends they made at work. And the, I don't know, clients that they helped along the way. And right. Wait, good stuff that they do. You're losing me on the analogy there. How, what's uh, <laughs> who are the friends at work in the context of the transgender analogy? I guess I just want to make sure that you don't feel like the first thirty or so years of your life were all wasted time. Oh, that there were still you know some good things that happened and yeah, you don't hate yourself, for example, or you're not like walking around bitter and and. and feel like you'll always be bitter about it for the rest of your life no i i i i see it as it's it's spilled milk is what it is it's water under the bridge i mean i'm sad that i didn't hadn't done something earlier i mean in some ways i mentioned about how if i could have avoided my first puberty i could have steered clear of a lot of problems but you're probably more sad that you didn't figure it out earlier yeah yeah Okay. Because, I mean, in one sense, just pragmatically, I would have been way done with my transition years ago if I had figured out earlier, mm. but that's really only part of it. But You still would have needed the magic money tree, though. Right. 
Sure. And I think the larger part is just that knowing how happy and content I am now compared to before. And this is the kind of thing where it, it's like it's like a weight's been lifted off my shoulder these past hmm. year or two since I've transitioned and so on that I, I just never knew was there. And so in, in that respect, I really, um, if I could magically have things be different, yeah, maybe yeah. just because I, I could have been having, I could have been happier those years. Not that I was necessarily unhappy, but just happier. Hmm. Uh, back to words, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Well, I noticed that the GLAD people make a difference between gender identity and gender expression. Gender expression. Right. Does that distinction exist because, you know, they accept the fact that people are in the closet about it? There might be a small crowd, but I think it's it's more so um, for people who cross-dress. Because for people who cross-dress, oh. their gender identity is that of which they were born with but right. their gender expression is not necessarily the same as the one they were born with oh okay right fair enough so that's why in terms of non-discrimination policies and such it is more inclusive to include both of those phrases okay right what about she male I um I'm gonna sound dumb again because I always thought that that was a synonym for hermaphrodite. Don't use that word either. Well, that's not on the list. Well, this is a transgender fact. It's not a intersex fact. Although oh, intersex well, might word... be on there. Intersex is on the list. Yeah, I believe intersex is the preferred term. I was taught the word hermaphrodite in seventh grade science or something like that. I mean, this is this is just on sort of the edge of my knowledge. So okay. I'll admit that I'm not certain it's a term to be avoided, but I have more recently, more often heard the term intersex mm. within mm. The, the community. So are those synonyms then? Someone born with both sets of genitals? Or it could be someone who has one set of external genitalia and then internally has uh, okay. uh, like additional bits. Huh. Right. So let me read what it says here on the page just for our audience's benefit under intersex. Right. Well, I'll just read the first part. Describing a person whose biological sex is ambiguous. Mm. So right. accepting the fact that there are lots of different variations and permutations that, just like you sure. said, right. make them not clear-cut one way or the other. Right. And I'm guessing that that has nothing to do with one's gender identity or not necessarily right because you could have transgender intersex people mm. do you ever see one of those hospital dramas where they cover the story where parents have a baby and the baby is i'm guessing the word is intersex mm -hmm. right. and the parents have to decide if they want to do like an early surgery and make it one way or the other that's, that's kind of heartbreaking to me i guess i think it's meant to be I mean, it's certainly dramatic. Um, well, it's not just heartbreaking in the sense of the biological actuality, hmm. but in the sense of parents predetermining such things on behalf of someone. Mm -hmm. Especially in the sense of 
surgeries that may be irreversible. Mm -hmm. This next bit may seem unconventional, and I don't expect many people to necessarily be on board with it or even okay. for you to. But, I mean, if it were, if I were to have a child, which I don't plan on doing, but if I did, I, I would be inclined to use gender-neutral language until that child was able to express his or her gender identity. Because really, up until that point, you don't know the gender of the baby. You may know the sex of the baby. Isn't there like a 99% chance, though, that they match? Oh, in terms of so statistics you... of how many people sure. are transgender? So, certainly you could be wrong, but the odds are on your side that you won't be making a mistake. What if 1% of the population was gay or lesbian? And if mm. there was a rule saying only people who are of opposite sex can marry each other. And they think, oh, that'll cover 99% of the people. So that'll mm -hmm. be fine. But when it comes to equality, the number of people who are affected is not really a factor. Or to pick another example, say, there may be 1% of the population in wheelchairs, which is probably a wrong number. That's, mm. that's probably wrong. Hypothetically, if it was 1%, that would still not be a reason to say, oh, you don't need to build ramps for your business. Okay. You understand I'm just playing devil's advocate, right? Yes. Yeah. In your hypothetical Ashley has a baby scenario, Ryan. what would you look for for your child to express a gender identity? I mean, the what I would probably do is just ask him or her, when they were of speaking age and what had the, the cognitive functions to be able to express and understand that kind of thing. I mean, so that'd be How part of it. How do you determine it. when those cognitive functions are present? Uh, see, this is where my child psychology kind of falls short, just since I don't know... I don't know the intricacies of how the human brain moves forward, but... I mean, I don't know, maybe five years old or four years old. I mean, the point at which someone would be able to, to say, I'm a boy or I'm a girl or I'm neither, and to understand what those words meant. Yeah, it's the understanding that I'm having trouble quantifying. Right. Do you think it might have anything to do with their interactions with their peers? If If the child was someone... Who had non non normative um, habits, such as the quote boy who likes to play with Barbies or whatever. Mm. I mean that that may be some indication of someone who in the future may choose to cross dress. But interesting, it, I'm not sure whether I don't think environment is something that affects someone's. Mm. Gender okay. status. Yeah, I guess I meant in the way that, you know, they would, I guess if they're four or five, you might take them to preschool or kindergarten and right. find out that they spend more time brushing each other's hair or something. Right, yeah. I certainly played with Barbies. My sister is 18 months older than I am, so right. we, I I certainly enjoyed her toys. I don't know if she ever played with my Transformers or right. sect sectars. And, and the other thing that occurs to me is that Suppose you have 
Uh, a baby who has, who is a, a male by sex, and they express that they would like to be uh, treated as a, as a girl. And, okay, that's fine. Even if, for whatever reason, they then express that they want to be treated as a boy, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That there's there's no it's not a one way street. How would you, as a parent, want to convey that to the other people the child interacts with, especially teachers, or parents of their friends? Because I could easily imagine them saying, "Oh, it's way too early to know that sort of thing." I think I think society is getting a larger awareness of transgender issues, mm. and as well, I like to think we're a part of that, right? And as well, I think I think that another factor is that younger children, especially, don't have as many of these so-called gender cues that older children have. Mm-hmm. For example, for children under ten, no one has boobs. One girl, <laughs> one well, girl in fifth grade was was pretty busty, but yeah, averages yeah. again. And likewise, everyone roughly has the same pitch in their voice. So in that respect, it's it may not be as much an adjustment as in in later years. Mm, okay. So is that something you'd like to see more parents doing? I it would be something that would I would find very heartwarming, but I don't. Because okay. you've got friends with with babies and other young children. Have you have you encouraged them to follow this path? That's something that I, I, I kind of wish people would do, but it's something that most people, it's something that most people, even very progressive people, find weird somehow. Mm-hmm. And for me, for someone who finds that intuitive, maybe, I have trouble expressing why it'd be weird, but I know that other people don't seem to want to yeah. do that. I mean, part of it I mean may... right off right off the bat before the baby even comes home from the hospital it's been identified and I don't think that you can stop the nurse or doctor from marking it on a form M or F for their sex yeah yeah I mean there was one baby I read about uh baby sky I believe where the parents use gender neutral terms for their child and I th- like it I don't know specifically what it was. I should hope not. Yeah, <laughs> That's but I'm not scary. sure if the if the parents even told their parents the sex of the baby. Oh, interesting. Just so that the child could play with whatever toys they wanted to, and mm-hmm. there would be no repercussions or what have you. Mm-hmm. This this may be neither here nor there, but even in terms of um, the way children are kind of just brought up that even if you do don't treat them as purely gender neutral i think there are ways of kind of showing them that you can take a little from column a a little from column b as it were Mm -hmm. so jay i've been thinking some more about when abouts i may change my name and stuff okay so you mean legally with getting a judge to sign off and whatnot? right okay i mean and to be sure the name change itself is actually among the easier things i will have to do 
Okay. Because it's largely a matter of filling out a form, you pay a fine, not fine, a fee. So, indeed, the, the name change is, is relatively straightforward as, as far as paperwork goes. Okay. Right, so I've been, I've been thinking more about the name change and so on, and I have been thinking, well, maybe I'll do that in the next year. Mm-hmm. And this was just sort of a gut feeling of mine, I guess. Okay. And part of it being just that I a year seemed like a, just a, a good feeling to me. Mm-hmm. But I so I thought about some more and I thought to myself, okay, supposing I was going to do it in 2012 sometime. Mm-hmm. Are there any obstacles or times that would be less good in which to do this? December 21st. Right. Right. No, I mean, you jest, but I. But that was one of the things. I want to avoid holidays because I wouldn't want to change my name. Not a lot right. of Mayans in Dallas, are there? No, no, but many Christians celebrate holidays four days after that. Fair enough. Right. So I would not want to necessarily change my name just before major holiday mm-hmm. because I don't want there to be a lot of her on for when I'm maybe visiting my folks or whatever. Right. Because I don't want that to be the distraction. Mm. So that kind of rolls out December and November because of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So I also don't want to do it around my parents' birthdays because, I mean, my, my mom's birthday is coming up in February and mm. I've already sent her a gift in the mail and a card, which I've signed. Happy birthday, love, Ashley. But I don't want to um, have those types of things under the umbrella of just having my name change. I don't want them to think that, okay. oh, she's just signing her name this way to, quote-unquote, flaunt her, her name change or whatever. And so it's my dad's birthday is in October. So this is kind of just a process of elimination thing. <laughs> All right. And you might be laughing on the inside about all the thinking in my brain about this stuff. But then, so I thought, okay, then there's also tax season where I probably don't want to change uh, one of my major life attributes right about the time when I'm filing all this paperwork in which if the government didn't receive it or didn't get put in the right bucket, I could face a lot of fines and audits, whatever. So I thought, eh, let's best avoid April. Okay. So, in that respect, uh, another fact I was thinking about was that when I, uh, I I typically visit my parents in over Thanksgiving, and I mm-hmm. will often book my flights for that, maybe September or October time frame. For for similar reasons, I the TSA thing, right? The TSA thing, yeah. And given that I don't know the specifics of the turnaround on having one's name changed, yeah, especially in terms of, okay, so I, I file the paperwork. You should just imagine longer than you expect. Well, right. And not, well, because it's not only that, because there's a paperwork turnaround time. I mean, I, and I guess I'll get some form in the mail, like stamped, approved, or mm-hmm. I don't know how it'll work. Maybe I'll have to go see a judge or something. But anyway, anyway, so there's that, at that part. But then, of course, there's a the matter of getting my IDs changed. And who knows what the turnaround time is on those. Yeah. Yeah. Like I probably have to go to the DMV and get a 
fill out the forms and do a driver's license. And then I don't know if they just right. print it right there or if I have to go, they mail it to me then, like six to eight yeah. weeks later. I mean, I'm, I'm just guessing. I don't know the actual turnaround time. The last time I got a new passport, it happened pretty quickly. But but that was with the passport having the same name and sex as the one it right. did earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So, so there's that part where I, I wouldn't want to have changed it, booked the flight, and then end up having to go to the airport where I sold my old ID. So you're thinking, like, maybe just after you file your taxes? Uh, well, I was thinking maybe, like, July, August, June, July, August kind of time frame. Mm. Okay. I, I, it, part of it is also happens that my birthday is in July, so it'd be like, mm. happy birthday to me. <laughs> you get a new name. Okay. That's fun. Yeah. Are you 30? You're going to be 32? No, I am 34, 34 and I will be oh, 35. Wow. I mean, and so one of the things I'm, of which I'm open to um, feedback from the audience is just in terms of maybe there's some people in the audience who've had their names changed, even if they mm. kept the same gender marker or whatever, or maybe they know someone who's done that. So I'm just kind of curious around what, are there any pitfalls I should be aware of? Sure. Or if there are any other, what's, for instance, what the turnaround time is. Some of it might be state-specific, but I'm sure all information is helpful at this point. Yeah. Great. Okay. So. Well, would you like to teach me something ladylike? I can do that. a couple minutes left. Yeah. Okay. Good. So I I have two jobbies. Is it eyeshadow? No. Is it lipstick? No. Is it a... Okay, what is it? Oh, look. You've got pink nails. I know. Nice. Do you know for whom I painted these nails? For you, Jay, because you were Aww. you were you were teasing me on Twitter the other day about how I never had pink nails. I don't know if I was teasing. I, I was. I was maybe teasing. Those look really nice. Well, thank you so much. So, if you're curious, I just figure it's a it's a law of averages slash process of elimination thing because you go shopping for nail polish right. and what eighty percent of it's got to be either red or pink. But you always manage to find the one that isn't. No, I mean, you'd be surprised. There are, I mean, yes. if you've been to... Oh, there's some black in there, maybe some silver. You'd be surprised how many shades of black there are. And, I, and I'm and i only half 256. <laughs> well, if you're using an RGB system. But, yeah, so if you go to like Ulta or uh, other beauty stores, I mean, you'll find some red and pink but there's well to be honest the only time i see nail polish is when i'm in walgreens or cvs so their selection is limited maybe yeah but anyway i would say there's probably equal numbers of shades of red as there are shades of blue or purple or pink Hmm. or even browns and blacks is a wide variety and for me personally i don't have as many shades of those Hmm. so the the name of this color yeah did you want to guess what it's called well, who's it from? This is okay. So this is gonna test your nail polish foo. I have shown you. So nail polish bottles you're, are. You're asking me to guess on the shape of the bottle. Yes, but wait, 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 uh, wait. So right. nail polish bottles are unique in terms of. Uh, I'm just giving you. These are little clues here, but the the shape of the cap, the color of the cap, the shape of the bottle. Oh. So this is a white cap. This is for people in the audio version. It's, it's a, a white cap, 
And the base is, of course, uh, glass with rectangular sides. So I'm just going to go ahead and guess Essie. Yes! Oh my goodness! Essie. Way to go, subconscious. I, I really I didn't know. This is called Strawberry Shortcake. Mm, all right. Right. So I think I may have had pink on another show, an earlier one that was, I think, Pink Diamond. And if you're, if for people who were curious about this one, this was is more of an intense pink. The other one is more of a milkyish pink, but they're both sort of okay. frosty and glossy and such. Yeah. Okay, so the first one is this is this is not a product per se. This is more of a, a life hack that may help when you're applying mm -hmm. your nail polish. Super. So so you remember you remember these guys? Uh orange stick. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. yeah. So of course you can use this for if you if you overpaint onto your cuticles, you can you know wipe, wipe, wipe and take care mm. of that. Of course one tough part is that okay, so, so say you're doing that and you set this down on your table or wherever you're painting your nails. It can be kind of hard to pick this up if you're say you've already painted these nails. How do you okay. pick this up without smudging them? Yeah. So what I will often do is I will usually have, say, two tissues that I'll place on top of my table that I'll use for wiping the orange stick. But then, so let's pretend that this book is my table. Okay. Yeah. So I've got the orange stick. What I'll do is I'll actually have, this is the lid to my Vaseline. So if I set that mm. down... And I can just balance it like this on a oh, sort sure. of thing. Okay. Like a spoon holder on the stove. It's exactly like that. It is exactly like that. It so happens that this is like, I don't know, 99 cents or something because it's mm -hmm. whatever. But, And really, it doesn't have to be a Vaseline lid. It can be nearly any lid. But sure. it's just enough that that way you can just set it down like this. And it's very easy to pick up your orange sticks this way. Okay. So typically, well, Would it be especially helpful if it was something with... A basin that the orange stick could drip into. Do orange sticks get drippy? No, I mean, so what I'll often have is, say this is my table. I'll typically set down two tissues, one on top of the other, just to provide a little thickness. And on top of that, I'll put the lid, and then I'll have my orange stick, which doesn't normally roll away, but I'm just not very mm -hmm. good at balancing. So <laughs> if okay. I do a little, you know, wipe, 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 and then what I'll do is I'll just wipe it off onto the tissue so that it's clean again and then I, I'll just oh, okay. set it down. And not dripping. Right. Okay, great. Well it's it's so it's clean and not drippy, but also so that when I'm next trying to wipe away polish from say my cuticles or what have you, that it's not putting polish back onto it that was just on here. Okay, that makes sense. That's just sort of my little life hack there. And honestly, I mean the Vaseline, for instance, if you I I mentioned this a couple of shows back about how you can use that to sort of create a little buffer around your cuticles. If you had, if you were just say a beginner starting out and you, you didn't want to overpaint onto them. The Vaseline I, I rarely use for that purpose anymore, but hey, yeah. I can reuse the, the lid. So, hooray. Right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. So the other one is it, uh, it is winter time as we were recording sure. this. And for most of the United States and the Northern Hemisphere, it's cold. Uh, when you're going to drive somewhere, 
if you don't have a garage, for example, and maybe your car's in a parking lot or a garage port or what have you, you put on your coat, put on your, uh, your bag, and then you might think, oh, I'll, I'll get my keys out of the bag so I can uh, be ready to, for instance, lock my front door once I close it behind mm. me. But what I, I figured out is... Gloves! You just figured out gloves? No, no. Einstein. <laughs> so gloves, yeah, I know how gloves work. But right. what you can do is rather than, say, taking your keys out of your purse, closing the door behind you, locking the door, then putting your gloves on, I put my gloves on right after I've put my coat on. The advantage with that is that you get little, like, buffers on your on your fingertips so that when you're reaching into your purse, even if you're not being gentle about it, it's harder to screw up your nails because, hey, you've got little fabric buffers on them, namely gloves. Okay. Right on. Yep. Well, thanks for the teachings about the words yeah. and the nails and the gloves. Yeah. I like talking about language and I especially like learning. Well, that makes two of us. Yay. Okay, good. Yeah. I guess I'll say goodnight and we'll talk again soon. That sounds awesome, Jay. Bye, sweetie. Love you. Bye. Oh, I love you too.